Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Yes, and welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. This is Pete Peters of Peters and Brown with uh, a guest to be hopefully on the line now. Chris, are you there? I am here. I hope you can hear me. I can hear you just fine. I'm going to continue on here for a minute, and we'll get back and introduce you properly, and and we'll get on with our conversation. Uh, As I was saying, this is the Boomer and the Babe Show, and it is Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday. I don't even know what day it is today. We're so messed up with equipment today. It's Wednesday, and uh, it's 11 o'clock on the East Coast, 9 o'clock on the West Coast, and that's wrong, too. And I'm totally messed up. Chris, bail me out. This is Chris Soker. She's my guest. She's my guest today. <laughs> I think you're doing is, great, Steve. Don't oh worry. Oh my gosh! And she is the author of the book "Choosing the Life You Were Born to Live." Uh, Chris, I tell you, this has been a miracle that we got together today with all the uh, all the contraptions that were failing as we were trying to get this connection. And I am so flustered right now that I need to have you uh, help me out because this is not the life that I chose to live. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a good book you could read on that. <laughs> yes, and I do have a copy of it. And th- <laughs> oh, my gosh. So at any rate, uh, welcome to the Boomer and the Babe show uh, after, after much travail. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I've heard good things about you. Oh my gosh! We had rumors too. Uh, well, I, I know you came to our show via someone that we've had on as a guest. That I think you've been on. They have a show on the radio from time to time too, don't they? The Pataglias. Yes, they do. And yeah. you've been on, you've been on their show. I have not yet been on their oh, show. Oh, you have not been. Oh, okay. I have not. Okay, but anyhow, nonetheless, that's how you came to be with us, and uh, we're glad that you did. And what we always ask for, and Deborah would ask if she were here, uh, for your two-minute movie, which is uh, just a story of uh, of Chris Sopa and uh, where you came from, how did you get to be where you are today, and and do what you do. A little backgrounder, if you don't mind. So here's your here's your two minutes. I don't mind at all. I uh, originally was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and I always tell people not to hold that against me. Um, lived there and grew up there, went to college there, ended up on the East Coast after I got married, had my kids, 
um, was there for 14 years, and just recently moved here to Scottsdale, Arizona, and love it. Um, I was in the corporate world for quite a long time, wanted to be a doctor, and that didn't pan out, and then I ended up being a corporate trainer. And long story short, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, I ended up getting very sick due to a stress-related illness around 32 years old, and I almost died, and that was my wake-up call. And mm. at that point, I uh, stepped back from my life, and I looked at my life and said, you know what, something has to change, and I took my health into my own hands. I was able to turn my condition completely around and heal myself within a five-month period of time. And after that, I couldn't go back to the corporate world. I thought I have a message to give, and I want to give it to as many people as possible. So I started my own business, and that was back in 2003, so I'm celebrating 10 years now. And I do inspirational speaking and executive corporate performance enhancement and coaching all over the world and just completely enjoy my life. I have to say I'm choose I completely am living the life I'm choosing to live here. <laughs> good, very good. Nice uh, nice for you. Um and uh, yeah, what's not to like about Scottsdale, huh? Oh, I love Scottsdale. A little bit chilly, you know, for Scottsdale right now, but it is just beautiful. Sun shining just about every day. I cannot complain. Yeah, well, we're on the other side of the valley over here in the Sun City area and uh uh it's this whole Arizona thing is is pretty cool, I guess. You know, uh, we've been here for a good number of years here. I, here, I moved. I moved into the area back in, jeez, oh, in the seventies, I guess it was, and then left for a while and came back. Uh, but um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a nice place to live if you can uh, if you can avoid the politics. It's just fine. Um, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me a little bit about. Uh, a little bit more about your journey, if you don't mind. I mean, you've got you've written this book, and you you do inspirational speaking, and uh, uh, you have uh, you have your Chris Sopa International business, uh, and as a speaker, and so on and so forth, and an author. And uh, and what was it that that motivated you? What put you over the edge? I know you gave us a thumbnail sketch there, but if can you give us a little more detail on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I have always been kind of that driver personality, and just love to go above and beyond and sometimes that takes us to the point where we overdo it in our lives and we end up letting stress take over and I always say the best excuse to not heal yourself and live the life you were born to live is to stay busy because if you're busy it's the greatest excuse ever to say I don't have time to to look at that part of my life I know needs healing I don't have time for this or that and that was really me uh, 10-12 years ago and I believe that the way God gets our attention is usually physical. You know, we can get a cold and we take an antibiotic and we just kind of plow through it. And if that doesn't get our attention, then I always believe he hits us somehow physical. And that's what happened. I was hit with chronic ulcerative colitis, which I had ignored for several, several months and did a lot of traveling, and it just became really inconvenient. And honestly, that was the only reason I went to the doctor. When I went to the doctor, I remember her looking at me saying, Chris, you know, anything in your gut area all has to do with stress. Do you feel like you're stressed? And my answer was no. And I wasn't, you know, joking. I felt, I truly did not feel stressed because the life I was leading was my routine. You know, I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning, got the kids ready, got them to daycare, drove an hour to work, spent, you know, 10 hours at work, drove an hour home in traffic, did the dinner and homework with the kids, and then I was getting my master's degree full-time at night, and then I would study from 9 o'clock until 1, and to me, that was normal. I thought, oh, everybody does this. Well, my body ended up taking a toll on me. I ended up in the hospital for five days. They diagnosed me with a, a chronic form of ulcerative colitis and said that 
within a two-month period of time with the medication I was on, if I did not get better, they would have to remove my entire colon and I'd wear a colostomy bag for the rest of my life. And at 32, that really wasn't an option for me. Mm. Um, Just at all. I had a lot of living I knew I wanted to do yet. So... I was always of the belief that we create our own illness. You know, in my book, I talk about how your thoughts really can change your life, and that's where everything starts is in your head. And I really believe my stress was really all in my head, and it was due to the choices I was making. So I took short-term disability off of work. I pulled my life back, and I took about four or five months where I just focused on getting to know me again, taking care of myself, living my priorities, which is something I really did not do. I would say my family was important, but was you watched my actions, I was doing all these other things. And within that period of time, I was able to wean myself off of all the medicine I was on, and I was on quite a bit, and completely reverse all of my conditions. So literally five months, almost to the day I was in the hospital, I did not have any symptoms left. And it's been over 10 years, and happy to say I haven't had a symptom. What I always tell people, though, is that I could get back there really easy. I, I now know my body and know my signs and what I need to do to stay centered and focused. And it was at that point in time that, you know, I really decided everything happens for a reason, and I've always believed that. And I thought me getting ill the way I did and being able to figure out how to heal myself is a story worth telling. And I started my business, and I do a lot of work in corporate America just because that is where a lot of people really feel the stress. You know, they wear so many hats, and they've got their lives at home, and they're trying to build a career and Specifically, I focus a lot on women in the workplace just because they tend to really put a lot on themselves and and have different roles at home um, than men do, and and we tend to be harder on ourselves as women as well. And so I've just really branched out. Um, I do this globally, so I travel all over, and companies will bring me in to do anywhere from executive coaching to customized workshops on balance and stress management. Um, My degree is in industrial organizational psychology. I'm in the middle of getting my Ph.D. in that right now. Dissertation is really fun, can I just say. (laughs) Um, And so they'll bring me in for things like, you know, performance enhancement improvement and, you know, doing different types of assessments to see where employees are and how they can work better in alignment with their strengths. And it is just a lot of fun. I just feel really blessed that all of that happened because that's really what brought me to where I am today. So if if you want to term it as your you're you're getting your road to wellness uh, however you want to term that um is is it a uh is it a faith thing a religious experience is it a spirituality thing what what is it uh what category would you put it in or just you an know, awareness more- just an awareness you know, a little bit of both awareness and spirituality. Um, it wasn't so much religious. It was more, you know, I, I find that there's a big difference between religion and, and spirituality. Neither one of them is better than the other. It's just what the individual chooses. And I term it more for me personally spirituality. I, I Since I travel so much, I see a lot of different people's beliefs and how they live their life, and I kind of pull that all in together for my life and what I feel is the best way to live it. And my healing journey really had to do with one awareness of myself and getting to know myself again and where my strengths were and where I was challenged and what my limiting beliefs, what I call, were running through my head that were kind of dictating my behaviors and being able to identify those and then turn them around and reframe them so they actually were working in my favor rather than against me. And then the spirituality aspect comes in because it does take a great deal 
of faith and belief in a higher power, whatever you call that, God, whatever. And for me, it was God, and I really believed that, you know, he had my back, and everything happens for a reason, and to just completely trust that I would be okay. You know, I believe that the universe is a kind universe, and anything that happens to us, even if we see it as bad right now, is always for our higher purpose and always for the best for us. And a lot of us can look at our lives and different things that happened. Like I can look back at my illness, and most people would say, my gosh, that's horrible. Don't you wish that never happened? Well, no, because if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't have written a book. I wouldn't have my business if that didn't happen. So it was for my higher good to get sick. And being able to have that perspective on life really does change your life. Well, you know, it, it's it's amazing uh, what you what you're talking about. I, we had somebody on the show. Oh, Jesus! Oh, well over a year ago, an author. Her name is B.J. Gallagher, and she wrote the book. If God is your co-pilot, change seats. Uh, <laughs> and and it, uh, I thought that was just a great title for a book. That is a great title. I'd read that. And uh, yeah, and B.J. Gallagher is her name, and she's written all kinds of books, and uh, uh, very prolific. And, and she is um, she's very thoughtful. I mean, she's she she thinks and studies these types of things as well uh, as apparently you are too. And 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 it's uh, and this there's there's a lot of this going a lot of this going around right now. Uh, I, I guess it's uh, uh, one way to say it. There are a lot of people that are uh, becoming self-aware. They're becoming aware of their higher power, their higher being, whatever, whatever the whatever the case might be. They're they're becoming aware of it, and they're uh, becoming much more uh, much more in tune with everything around them. Don't you think? I I agree. I think we're kind of coming into an age where people know and are really starting to believe there is something bigger than I am. There is something up there that is kind of running the show, so to speak, and it's okay to trust in that. I think we have become a very individualistic society where we feel very alone. Um, We've isolated ourselves kind of in our homes and really you know very many very few people know their neighbors anymore if you think back to you know world war 2 times everybody knew their neighbors when i talked to my grandmother they left their doors unlocked and they knew everybody and everybody trusted everyone and they lived more in a community type setting kind of as one and we've really pulled away from that and you know i don't know if that's the technology aspect or if it was just kind of all of the choices we've made up to this point but i think we are moving back now to understanding that there is some benefit in that community and benefit in in believing in something bigger than yourself because a lot of the illnesses you see are, you know, I believe, it's a really bold statement, but I believe every single illness is stress-related. And we bring it on by our thoughts, which is one of the things I do talk about in the book is that the only thing that's changed from this moment to the next moment and this moment and the past moment is the thought that you had and your perceptions of, of what is going on. That's what brings on stress. Stress is really what is going on in between your ears. You can't control so much what goes on and what happens to you sometimes, but you can control your reaction to it. And a lot of people, I believe, are starting to see that, and they're starting to realize they have a little bit more power than they thought they had in the past. Well, uh, 
I relate a lot of this to some of the guests that we've had, and 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 one of the another guest we have, uh, I think Deborah had on her Pathways to Wisdom show, was referring to uh, the the body and, um, and and how various aspects of the body harbor various emotions, uh, and I and I think the situation, if I'm not mistaken, was that the kidneys are stress. Uh, and if you have a high level of stress, it affects kidney kidney function and and liver function. Uh, so I mean, it's 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 really amazing how many people come to these various conclusions, and they all hold water. Every one of them holds they, water. They really do. And you know, I'm a big believer of the energy systems in our body, and if you can allow me to get woo-woo for a minute, if you've heard of the term chakra before, you know, the chakras are the, there's seven main energy centers we have that kind of run down the middle of our body, and Uh the chakras really are what connect our physical to our emotional and mental and spiritual and etheric selves, and each chakra has a theme. So, for instance, in my condition, you know, you have a chakra right kind of in your solar plexus area, and then one right below it, and those two chakras have to do with honoring your self and honoring others, um, your self-esteem and self-worth and relationships with not only other people but other things like your job and money all sit there. And the fact that part of my healing had to do with looking at that aspect of myself. And when I was able to increase my self-esteem, love myself again, really kind of fix the relationships I had with others and my definitions of my relationships like with money and with my job, that is when I started to physically see a shift because healing isn't just so much physical. You know, it's the it's healing from the inside out. It is going to the core of it, kind of like you have to do a wart. You know, to, to cure a wart, you've got to get to the root of it and then that way it doesn't ever come back. Sometimes what we do in society is we, we mask these symptoms with, with medications and, and with different physical treatments, which there is benefit to a lot of those. But if you really want to heal, you have to really dig deeper and find the emotional and mental pieces that need to be balanced as well. And that was really the secret to my healing. I did a lot of research on what was physically happening to me, as well as the energetic and mental and emotional components and how they all came together. And when I was able to kind of come up with a great recipe of how to do that, that is when I started to finally see my symptoms subsiding. Well, now, when you're talking with other people, I mean, you've had this experience yourself. You know what you had to do to go through your process. Uh, when you're talking to others, I mean, uh, how? what is some of your technique to determine what it is that their needs might be? Because they may be different than what yours were. Absolutely. Well, you know, in the coaching process, when I'm working with people, whether it's personal coaching or executive coaching, one of the things that... I first focus on with them is getting to know themselves. You know, the coaching doesn't really start until about halfway through the process because they need to understand where they are starting from in their journey, and not just where they're going but where they're starting from. And I relate it to if I got in my car and I wanted to drive to Chicago, I need to know where I'm starting from in order to know how I'm going to get to Chicago, how long it's going to take, what route I'm going to take. And people sometimes are able to identify their goals, what they want in life, but a lot of the reason I find that people do not achieve their goals is because they have failed to identify where am I starting from, what are my strengths, 
What are my weaknesses? What do I need to look at and focus on first to get myself ready for this journey? So what I usually do is I send them on a journey through the self, and and they fill out different self-assessments that I have them do on all the different parts of them, their spiritual self, their physical self, their family, and they really kind of get to know themselves again and where they maybe have fallen off the track, where they're doing well, and then we take all of that information and kind of bring it together. And then intuitive is a big part of it as well. You know, when you do this for a long period of time, you start to see patterns, you start to see people kind of acting in the same types of ways. And we're all human and we all really experience the same emotions and and there's not very many patterns out there. They just express themselves differently. And then when we are able to identify that, that person then on their own starts to realize, hey, I want to change this in my life, and I really want to focus more on this part of my family and and change this part of my career. And it's an empowering process because as a coach, you know, I think the most effective coach is someone who teaches you to be your own coach. I tell my clients I want you to put me out of business because – I don't want you to have to depend on me. My job is to teach you how to be that person that identifies and is self-aware enough to say, hey, something is off, I feel off balance, what is going on, and to be able to go in, identify it, and then know what to do to balance it. How does a person know or how do you know when your work with them uh, is complete? You know, they get to a point where they have, you know, I have all of my coaching clients identify one feeling. And I tell them, we talk a lot about purpose, which is a really big word for some people. You know, what is my purpose in life? And I believe it's connected to feeling. I believe everything is connected to how we feel. Feelings are what I call the uh, physical manifestation of guidance and answers to your prayers. And we're taught in society to ignore our feelings. But what I have them do is I have them imagine God plopping down in front of them and saying, you know, okay, Pete, from here on out, you can only have one feeling for the rest of your life. That's the only feeling you're going to feel. That's it. What would you choose? And I don't allow them to choose happy because I want some more meat on the bone. You know, everybody wants to be happy. So, for example, mine is inner peace. And I teach them to use that feeling to help drive all of their decisions. So for me, you know, doing this Boomer and the Babe show, does that bring me inner peace? Yes. And so I do it. If another well, it didn't start decision that way, though. <laughs> I was peaceful the whole time, Pete. With all the technical difficulties, I was peaceful. I'm um, glad you were. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just um, jumped. The devil made me say that. <laughs> I love it. You know, and then they, what they do is they choose their own feeling, and then they use that to help make decisions. Is this relationship bringing me peace? Is is this job bringing me peace? Or whatever it is. They might choose contentment. They might choose, you know, whatever, joy. And when they get to a point in the coaching process, and really it's their life, where they feel that feeling the majority of the time and they feel that when a challenge comes up, their old patterns aren't surfacing as much and they're able to take the steps they need to to conquer it. And they also notice things such as old feelings not coming up around the same situations or they notice that they get down and depressed, that it's for a shorter period of time and they're able to kick themselves out of it quicker. So it's a lot of different things and it really depends on the person. But... That's kind of a synopsis, and it really comes back to how are you feeling? You know, we want to feel good most of the time, not bad. Well, yeah, the, it's the, the feeling good most of the time is is I think a big big part of what 
what everybody is really striving for. Uh, whether they care to admit it or not, uh, I think it's a situation where you, you see people, they just, they're walking around, they're in a frump, you know, <laughs> they're, they're yep. just, it's, it's like that, who was that Peanuts character, was it, uh, uh, the guy with the cloud, the kid with the cloud over his head all the time? Um, oh, the, the dirty, uh, uh, I can't remember. Pig pen? Was, was it Pigpen or whatever? Something, I think it was Pigpen, yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he was always walking around. He had a cloud over his head. He was always frumpy and uh, frumpy and grumpy. It looked like, and um, there are a lot of people that have that kind of a personality or that kind of an outlook on life, and and they're just not they're just not fun to be around at all. I mean, uh, they must be really at at odds with themselves. I would imagine. Yeah, and you know. I tend to notice people like that too. They've they've lost a lot of faith. They've lost a lot of trust in life. They've probably experienced a lot of disappointments in their life that they have then put meaning around. And a lot of that also has to do with very low self worth and self esteem. You know, we are brought up in different environments with different experiences, and we all interpret those different differently. You know, I say perception is reality, and your perception is made up of how you think and the meaning you give to those thoughts and the events in your life. And I think a lot of people that feel very unhappy right now or frumpy, I love that term, to use your term, frumpy, um, you know, really are just disappointed and sad and and probably have a very low self-worth feeling like, you know, things never work out for me, why bother, and then they just, you know, kind of end up cranky. You know, throw up their hands. They do. They throw up their hands and they just, in a sense, give up, and that's sad. And, you know, part of my journey here is really to help people see a different light and to see that the way that their life is, you, you you can create the life that you want. And everything starts with a thought. Everything starts in your head with a thought. Well, there's a. I, I said uh, uh, when I was giving a real brief talk, one of those little ten minute ten minute talks at a at a networking group one time, and I somehow, and I don't know why I said it, but I used the the phrase, "If it's to be, it's up to me," and that people need to take that into account. And um, one of the f- people that were there wrote a book, and he does a radio show on our network now. And uh, he uses that in his uh, in his activities. It, it, if it's to be, it's up to me. And she, they, she, he tries to teach people to use that phrase as a means to get out of whatever their doldrum is or whatever their situation is. If they want to change it, if you really want to change it, there's only one person that can do it and get it started, and that's you. Yeah. And 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 if that starts with uh, uh, a mindset, if that t- starts with making uh, adjustments in your personal living style or your lifestyle or your partnerships or your acquaintances, it's it's up to you. You're the that you're the individual that has to do it. Um, does that at all fit in with uh, with your philosophies? It does. It does. And, you know, and I can't remember who who said this, but there's another phrase I use a lot that whatever, whether you believe a thing to be true or not, you're right. Yeah. So if you believe that, and it's kind of really saying the same thing that your phrase does. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is how we were, the, the beliefs that we were taught growing up. You know, we are kind of a society of I'll believe it when I see it. You mm-hmm. know, I 
I don't have it in front of me. I don't see that my life is any different. Therefore, it mustn't be true. It mustn't be meant to be. And it really works the opposite way. You know, we're brought up to believe if I do this, then I'll have this then I will believe and be this. And it really is the opposite. You have to believe it first. You have to to live it and feel like what you want is already here, even though you don't see it. And that's where the trust and faith come in. That, you know, I want my soul partner to come in. I want this this new job that I'm going to be happy with to come in and believe that you already have it. And it's almost like that pretending, the fake it till you make it, where you have to put yourself in a, in a stance of how would it feel to have my dream job? How would it mm-hmm. feel to have my dream mate? And bringing those feelings up because all feelings, the reason I focus on those a lot with my clients and in my speaking is because we're energy beings. So we do vibrate. You know, energy, if you look at cells under a microscope, they're vibrating. And our feelings dictate the level of vibration that, that we are as an individual. So when we're feeling really good, we're vibrating really high. When we're not feeling so great, we're vibrating low. And we can tell that. We sense that with people. That's why you can walk into a room Someone doesn't have to say a word, and you can just feel something just happened in this room or this person's in a bad mood. You're picking up their vibration, so to speak. So what what ends up happening is when you start to really feel as if something is true before you actually see it, you start vibrating on that level that it's here. And that's what pulls all of those different opportunities to you. It's the law of attraction, and it is you know, physics and a fact that the universe works by the law of attraction, like attracts like. And so you have to put yourself in a state where you're believing it, and your thoughts and your feelings and, and your spirit self are really all aligned you know, from your words to your thoughts, everything, that this is true and this is what I believe. And then as that aligns up, you start to see opportunities pop up. And this is where choice comes in. That's why my book is called Choosing the Life You Were Born to Live. Just because we're all here, I believe, for a specific purpose, we have to choose to step into that life. It's that whole you have to meet God halfway type thing. And a lot of the reason people don't see opportunities is because they're not present. You know, I always say that people have a tape recorder in their mind and you can either hit rewind and a lot of people are replaying past events that bring up old feelings for them or they're fast forwarding and they're worrying about things in the future that they really have no control over. And very few people are actually present. And you need to be present to be able to see the opportunities that are coming up so you can choose those opportunities and step in that direction of what your purpose is. And a lot of the times people don't see them when they're things right in front of their face because their brain is someplace else. They're thinking in the past. They're thinking in the future. And your subconscious mind does not know the difference between what's real, what's not, what's good, what's bad. It just knows how you're feeling. It kind of it kind of reads where your attention is right now. And so it assumes that that's true. So when you're constantly thinking of a past event, say an argument with a loved one or getting fired from a job or whatever, what you're doing is you're bringing that past event 
to your present, and your subconscious mind thinks it's still happening. And that's what causes a lot of stress for people. You know, that stress response was really made, you know, if you think back when we were, you know, cavemen and cave women being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, the stress response is that fight or flight response. And a lot of physical things happen. You know, your blood starts to move faster. Your vessels start to open. Different chemicals emit to get you away from the danger. And then when the danger is gone, what naturally should happen is your body goes back to normal. It goes back to homeostasis. But what happens with us nowadays is we create these stressful scenarios in our head. And because your subconscious mind does not know the difference between what's real and what's not, it only knows where your attention is, it assumes that stressful event is happening again. And so your body stays in that stress response way longer than it is supposed to because it feels like, because of what's going on in your head, that there is a threat present. And that's why I think we see so many things like diabetes and and heart disease and stroke, and, and they really are all connected to stress. I want to go back just briefly to what you were saying about um, about people's outlooks and when we were talking about the guy with the cloud over his head. Uh, and I liken what you were saying in that in that part of the conversation to being in a group of people, you know, just a normal group of networking people, let's say, for the purpose of business. And then there's always one or two, maybe three, people with when they when they are there, the room lightens up, the room comes alive. Um, it's like ah, there they are, they're here now. We can begin, and things are better because they bring that with them to the party. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I think that's kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? That you want to be able to bring that to your to your private party, and then if you're bringing it to your par- private party, you're also bringing it to uh, the the party wherever you're meeting new people. Absolutely, it's you know it's exactly what we're saying because people's you know those people that walk into that room and have what you could call a presence, you know they have mm-hmm. that attraction. People are attracted to the good people are attracted to people who are happy who seem like they have it all together like do they have a secret they must know something i don't and then there's just you know those people that also choose to stay in a state of feeling good mm-hmm. they they mm-hmm. emit that to other people and that is attractive and people want to be around that you know and i do believe as well that there are certain people whose presence just heals they just have to walk into a room and like you said people just immediately feel better and I know quite a few people like that, and they're just truly, I think, gifts from God. Well, I I, I agree with that. I, I I I see it on a somewhat regular basis whenever I see uh, my grandchildren, but uh, in particular my three-year-old granddaughter. Um, mm-hmm. She walks into the room, and these are, we're talking about adults that are in the room and that gatherings or whatever at my daughter's uh, daughter and son-in-law's house and and the little one walks into the room and it's sort of like hello everybody i'm here and they all they just their heads turn and their eyes light up and their face smiles and she walks into the room and she brings uh a joy with her and um and and it's it's really something to see. I mean, she's 
she affected me that way the first time I ever saw her, and she's the second one. So the first the first one affected me also, but this one uh, probably because she's so much like her mother, uh, my daughter, and, and it's just and. and but she does it for a lot of people. A lot of people, they just they just shake their heads and they just marvel at this child for no particular reason. She's just a three year old kid. Uh, you know. I love it. She's a little angelic soul. I think that's what she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she is. I think that's probably quite possibly what it is. Um, let's talk about uh, how can you give people a little more advice. I know we've been talking about it, but you mentioned the word balance, and I think I've only mentioned you, heard you mention it once. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what is uh, balance as, uh, as it pertains to what you do, and how do you teach people to look for balance? Well, my definition of balance is a little bit different than the typical definition. I think when people think about balance normally, they think about a 50-50 split, like a scale. I I need to spend as much time at work as I do at home and vice versa. And it really isn't that to me. You know, our lives are made up of a lot of different areas. We have social selves and there's your family and there's your career and there's financial and there's your spiritual. There's all of these different things that make up who we are. And I teach people, number one, I think a lot of people really, if you asked a thousand people, very few of them would be able to define what exactly it is they want out of life. A lot of people, when asked that question, say, well, I want to be happy, or they start listing off things that they want for their kids or their loved ones. But when you just say, okay, come on, put some meat on the bone, what do you want out of life? What type of person do you want to be? People have a hard time with that, and it's really important to, number one, define what you want, because life isn't, you know, you're not a a pinball in a pinball machine, and that's what a lot of people, that's how they treat their life, that, you know, they just kind of get bounced around, they let life happen to them. And I personally like to kind of be more in control of that pinball and say I'd like to direct my life in the ways I'd like it to go. And in order to do that, you need to know what you want. You know, you can call it a dream inventory. You could call it a bucket list. You know, I, I have all of my clients make one of those because your goals come from your dreams. And then the second thing I have them do, once they kind of get that muscle working, where they don't feel like it's selfish anymore to define what they want and there's a lot of barriers we usually have to overcome, Then I ask them, okay, what is really important to you? What are your priorities right now? Because your priorities do shift depending on what's happening in your life. Like for me, when I got sick, my number one priority became my physical health and getting better, where before that was way low on the list. I I really took that for granted. And I had them choose their top three priorities right now. And I distinguish between honesty and integrity. And I say, you know, honesty is what you say and integrity is what you do. So you're telling me that these are your top three priorities and these are the things you'd like to focus on and put your energy towards. But we also want self-integrity. We want you to be able to keep your word to yourself. Because what we find is a lot of people can easily keep their word to other people. If I had a 10 o'clock appointment with my boss, I would definitely keep that appointment. But if I tell myself I'm going to exercise, um, maybe take a walk for an hour every day after work, we find excuse after excuse and break our word to ourselves all of the time. So that is a little bit of how you also build up your self-esteem by learning to keep your word to yourself. But where balance comes in is I believe balance 
is knowing your priorities and what's important to you and putting your energy towards those things. Because the biggest distress I think people have is when their energy is somewhere where they don't want it to be. They're spending too much time at work and they, in their gut, know that they should be spending more time with the kids. Um, whatever is going on in their life. They just, we are, are sense, sensual beings. We know and we can feel when something is right and something isn't. And I think that's the biggest distress for people is, is knowing that, okay, these things I know are important to me, but I'm not spending time there. I'm spending time over here. That's when you start to feel unbalanced. And so, again, balance for me is knowing what your priorities are, being able to identify them, revisiting them often because they do change depending on what's going on in your life. You know, I just am a new grandma as well. My daughter just had a baby a month ago. Um, oh, you know, that's, that's a priority for me. I'm a young grandma, but it's okay. I love it. It's really fun. <laughs> um, you know, so you really have to look at what is going on in my life, what is important to me right now, where am I going to put my energy? And that, to me, is balance. People, um, I'm guessing here that, that, that people sometimes fool themselves uh, into this is what I want, uh, this is what I want out of my life, this is what I need, and um, I don't know, maybe it's not changed so much as that they're just not being honest and fooling themselves. What do you think? Well, I think a lot of people take on the wants of other people. You know, we have this ingrained, we have a lot of different fears. I always say fear is false evidence appearing real. And we have all of these different fears, fear of the unknown, fear of rejection. But we also have this fear of what other people think of us. And a lot of us make decisions based on whether somebody else will approve. We're, we're seeking other people's approval a lot. And so we sometimes take on wants of other people. You know, if your your parents have this wish for you to be a doctor or a lawyer, Sometimes we take that want on as our own because we're seeking approval from our parents, and that's just one example. And part of the process of, of self-development, I think, and you know, finding your own potential and that healing that we're talking about is really getting in touch with yourself. And again, that's why I have people do this bucket list and dream inventory. What do you want? Not, not you know, if I do this, 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 you know, it's going to please these other people. But what do you want? And Honestly, people have a really hard time with their bucket list. I tell them to pretend that Tinkerbell is sitting up in the top corner and anything you write down is granted. That, that's I tell them to keep all of the obstacles and anything that comes up aside. And I do want them to write down, though, what comes up. Like if they want to write down... Um, I want to spend a year sailing around the world. What a lot of people do is they hesitate writing things down that they want because they hear all these voices in their head of what other people will say or they're like, no, I have responsibility. I'm not going to be able to do that. And, and then they don't write it down because they talk themselves out of it within about 10 seconds of when it came into their head. And I relate it to a five-year-old. Like if you talk to your three-year-old granddaughter and you ask her what she wants, you know, she'll go on and on. They've got no filters yet. We've mm -hmm. created all of these societal filters for ourselves. Um, and a lot of them have to do with seeking approval and worrying about what other people think and, and different fears. And so I think for people to be able to step back and ask, is this mine? Is this my want? Is this my fear? Is this my belief? And to question, then that's when you start that whole self-awareness and self-development process. Um, people and their wants. Um, it, it amazes me to hear what some of them are when people say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. 
and and they don't do anything to facilitate having that. Um, it's it's the I heard somebody say one time that you're sitting on the shore waiting for your ship to come in, and you never set a boat out in the first place. Uh, yeah. You, but you've got to, you've got to give it some input here too, don't you? I mean, it's it's not just sitting there and doing om on the om om on the on the on the shore and expecting things to come washing up with the tide. I mean, you've you've got to put some efforts into this yourself, whatever it might be. Yeah. I have the same phrase, but I say it a little different, that you can't wait. Instead of waiting for your ship to come in, swim out to the damn ship is what I usually tell people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Don't wait for the boat. Don't send a boat. Just swim out to the ship yourself. And it comes back to what I said earlier. You kind of have to meet, you know, the universe or God, whatever you believe, halfway. And our job is to identify what we want. And I believe it is the universe and God's job to do the how. We are not we are not responsible for the how. We're responsible for being self-aware, seeing the opportunities, identifying the obstacles and overcoming those, um listening to, you know, what I call guidance, you know, that intuitive gut that you're being pulled in in different directions to do different things and trusting that, you know, I don't know how this is going to work. It doesn't make sense, but I've got this really strong urge and and I'm going to follow that anyway. It is a meeting halfway type thing and, you know, good example, I had mentioned I just moved to Scottsdale in July, and I lived right outside of Baltimore for 14 years. I knew I always wanted to move west. Um, it was something that, you know, I knew eventually one day I'd do, and I was waiting for my younger daughter to graduate from high school. So she graduated from high school in June, and so the beginning of last year, I thought, well, I'm going to start thinking about possibly, you know, when I'm going to move out west and where. And I just put it out there. You know, I didn't worry about it. I didn't stress about it. I didn't get real attached to an outcome and a date. I just put it out there. It's something I want and and help me out. And so long story short, what ended up happening is I had a business colleague out here that I had done some work with, and she lived way south in Arizona and was looking to move to Scottsdale. And we had a mutual friend, and I was talking in May of just this past year. No plans on moving to Arizona yet in May. And he said, hey, Chris, why don't you, you know, talk to her and, you know, our our mutual friend, and she's thinking about moving to Scottsdale. Maybe you guys can move in together. I'm like, great. Called her up, and she said, yeah, I think this would work. We'll try it out. And she was headed to Scottsdale that weekend to look at some houses. She had seen an area and a house that she had liked a year before when she looked. The people were renting it. So she said, let me go back in there and let me check it out. Let me see what's going on. So she did, and she gave me a call that weekend, and she said, Chris, you're not going to believe this, but the house that I actually fell in love with is for rent. She said, you want to just apply for it just for the heck of it, just to see if we get in, because neither of us really had plans on moving just yet, and this, again, was May. So we did. We applied, and the next day, I have a personal assistant that works for me, and she lives in Pennsylvania. She called me, and I had told nobody I was doing this, so nobody really knew I was planning on moving. I didn't even really know where yet. And she said, Chris, are you planning on moving to Arizona? And I said, why do you ask? And she said, because it's so weird. She said, the house that you just applied for to rent is the owner is my next-door neighbor here in Pennsylvania. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, she said, they just moved here from Arizona, and he got your application to rent his house yesterday. He went on your website to check you out, and he saw my name, and he called me, and he said, hey, do you know Chris Sopa? And she goes, yeah, I work for her. And he said, well, she's looking to rent my house. Tell me about her. So he got this unsolicited reference, 
and called me up within 10 minutes and said, hey, isn't it a small world? You know, I, I go biking with your assistant's husband, and, you know, if you guys want the house, it's yours. So all of a sudden then, you know, he wanted us to move in June. I couldn't move in June. I said July would work, and then all of a sudden before I knew it, I'm moving to Arizona in July. <laughs> <laughs> now, to me, that was kind of the finger of God coming down because that's a little bit more than a coincidence. But it's a good example where I didn't know – anybody in Arizona. I didn't know why I was being pulled to move west, let alone Arizona. But to me, I took that as a sign that, hey, it's time. I'm setting this up for you. And you have to, I think half of the battle is showing up. And so I showed up. I thought, okay, in six weeks, I got all my stuff together from the East Coast, and I moved here to Arizona, and I've been here ever since, and I love it. And I still don't know why I'm here, to be honest. You know, I love it here. I've met some great people. But it's trusting the process. It's trusting that that inner gut feeling and, and that pull that you're getting and that it's going to work out and it's going to be okay. Uh, that is a, uh, an amazing story, and it's it's amazing to me from one other aspect, and that is you moved here in July in probably the hottest July we've ever had. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and, I remember. And, and, and you must have thought you were going to hell instead of Arizona. <laughs> and, uh, and then also, it's interesting because when I moved here many years ago, over 35 years ago, over 35 years ago, it was the hottest July on record. And I'm driving into Arizona in a little compact car without air conditioning from Michigan. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was 113 <laughs> the day I drove up to my house. Yes. I thought, what did I just do? What is this? <laughs> I know. I know. That's funny. That's funny. But you know what? Uh, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. As I say, that's the way it is moving west. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, so tell me just briefly, uh, I think we've probably hit on them, but um, let's tell the listeners three things that they can do to live the life that they were born to live, uh, if you could tell them that, what would those three things be? Well, and like you said, we, we have covered a lot of them, but if I were to pick the top three things, number one is really just sit down and start to identify what what you want. You know, start the bucket list or the dream inventory. Um, the bucket list movie with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman is phenomenal. It is just a really cute movie. You don't want to wait until you feel like you're going to die to do that. You know, you have to live your life kind of like you're going to die tomorrow. I mean, not to sound, you know, morbid, but, you know, my dad passed away about five years ago, and one of the things I learned from his passing was I, I created the mantra for myself that I don't want to get to be 85 years old and look back on my life and go, well, gosh, I wish I would have. Um, I want to live my life now. I don't want to always assume I'm going to have tomorrow. And so identifying what you want out of life, and it's not, it's not just material things. And a lot of people think that that's selfish, and they really have to get over it because it's really what it is is self-loving and self-nurturing. And nothing is selfish. When you're working on yourself and identifying things that are going to help you be better, that means you're going to be a better dad, mom, sister, mother, all of those things. And it's going to go like dominoes through the rest of your life. So identifying what you want is number one. Number two really would be the whole priorities and balance conversation, really identifying what are the top three things that are important to me right now and how can I align my behaviors every day to be in line with those priorities. And it's just, it's a daily check. You know, I have a routine every morning. I wake up and I spend about 15, 20 minutes looking at my bucket list, 
and kind of reflecting on the things I want and what my day is going to look like. And your best is different every day. So some days I have more energy than others, and I dictate my day is dictated by the energy level I have and, and how I feel. And it's trusting that whole process and, and kind of living according to that balance and those priorities. And then the third thing is really what I call self-awareness, because I think all of this really starts, and this is really where healing starts, is being self-aware, you know, knowing your who you are, knowing what you like, knowing when you're not feeling great, what you can do to feel better, whether it's get a cup of coffee, walk your dog, call a friend, listen to music, knowing what those things are, knowing what your strengths are. You know, we we all have different strengths. And our strengths are those things that we do well and come naturally and that we enjoy doing. And we want to spend most of our time doing those things. Identifying, you know, your challenges and your weaknesses, not so much to focus on them, but to ask yourself, you know, are these things getting in my way of using my strengths? Are they getting in the way and are they obstacles to things that I want. So, for instance, if you know you have a low self-esteem or self-worth, that would be a weakness or a challenge, and that's worth spending time on because that probably is getting in the way of you living the life you want to live. So those three things, really the um, knowing what you want, the priorities, and the self-awareness, you know, listening to your body as well, knowing what your body is telling you. I, I have different kinds of headaches. You know, I know my body so well now after I got sick that I know a tired headache, a hungry headache, a sick headache. I know that I hold stress a lot in my shoulders, and if I start to feel tense in my shoulders, there must be something going on that's stressing me, and I know now to pull back. I know that um, what I call fifth gear feeling, where I feel really ramped up inside, that I need to then step back and look at my plate, and some things need to come off. You know, I, I when I was sick, I always said that my plate was a platter. It wasn't a plate. I had so much stuff on there, and I felt like I couldn't take anything off because I had to do everything. And I know better now. You know, I know about delegating. I know that there's some things that are going to have to wait that I'd love to focus on now, but it's not a priority right now. I need to put it aside for later. So being able to do those things, um, one thing at a time, you know, we have to start small. You can't eat the elephant in all one big, huge bite. You have to take little tiny bites at a time. So taking little baby steps in these directions I think is really important too. Well, I think you kind of touched on this too, but let's talk briefly about the priorities aspect. I mean, people's, uh, people will say, I've got to do that, and, and it's something they've got to do. I have, I have got to go here and do X, Okay. And that becomes a priority. Is is that the kind of priority you're talking about, or is it uh, a different type of priority? Because I think you can. I think there are different types of priorities as well. I think so. You know, and priorities that I'm talking about have to do with those things. A better way of really saying that is what is important to you right now. You know, mm-hmm. so an example of top three priorities. Um, maybe you, you're newlyweds, and so fostering that new relationship and spending time with your new husband or wife is priority. Maybe you just started a new job, so you know you're going to spend a little bit more time at work and you really want to learn the new job. That's maybe a priority. Maybe you haven't been feeling well, so getting healthy and losing weight and exercising more is a priority. Those are the types of priorities I'm talking about, those those really deep ones that kind of dictate your daily activities in your life. Now, everybody works, you know, one of the things I hear all the time is, yeah, that sounds great and that sounds really Pollyanna. I would love to live my life that way, but I have to work. I have responsibilities. 
well, yes, we all have to work and, and we all do have responsibilities, but it's how you're looking at those responsibilities and the weight you're allowing them to carry on your mind. And I would say up to 90, 95% of the people that I've worked with um, and I've met through speaking all over the world are not happy with the job they have. They go to work every day and they're miserable because they don't want to be there. They're only there because they feel like they have to be there. And they feel like if I actually worked within my passion, I'm not going to make money. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. Well, that's the lies they're telling themselves. They don't know that for sure. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of self you know, awareness work and trust to get to the point where you're able to kind of look at your priorities and know you're worthy enough to spend time on those and trust that when you're focusing on the right things that everything else falls into place because it does, and I'm living proof of it. Um, I never thought I could make money speaking to other people. I mean, I had no clue how to start a business in any of that, and I literally held my breath and jumped. I left my corporate job, and I made six figures. It was a pretty decent job. And I just was like, I just cannot do this anymore. I, it, I felt like I had my health and my life in one hand and money in another, and I had to choose. And I thought, you know what, without without my health, money doesn't matter. And I believe money always works itself out. And if I'm doing the things that are in line with what makes me feel good and my purpose, then I believe everything else falls into place. And it, it does, and I could tell you that just from my own life. I'm going to suggest, and I, I'm looking at the clock here, and we're getting down to the short rows, as they say, in the, in the farmlands. Uh, we're, I'm going to suggest that there's a definite difference between priorities and responsibilities. Because you may have responsibilities, but you don't want them to be your priorities. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, I, I'm responsible for doing A, B, and C, but that's certainly not on my priority list. Uh, how do you deal with that? You know, it's it's kind of looking at what you feel your responsibilities are. Because, for instance, you know, I know one of the things I carry for a really long time and a lot of the women that I coach carry is we kind of have this unspoken belief in the back of our heads that other people's happiness is our responsibility. So we bust our butt taking care of our family and our husband and our kids, and then we exhaust ourselves and we get sick ourselves. So it's kind of, I think a lot of people have these unspoken responsibilities in the back of their head, and that's where the self-awareness comes in. Because that's very different from a priority, which is you consciously choosing, this is what I think is important, versus a conditioned pattern that maybe came from childhood or wherever of a responsibility that you think you should have. So one is, you know, a priority, I believe, is what you're choosing to focus your energy on, and a responsibility is probably something that was inherited or something that society is saying that you should put your energy on. It's a big difference. I always say, don't let people should on you. <laughs> Do not let people should on you. We should on ourselves. We should on other people. Don't let people should on you. <laughs> hey, I love that one. <laughs> Very good. I will use that. I will, and I have yeah, some people that I can tell that to me. You're not going <laughs> to shit on me anymore. <laughs> You're done shitting on me. That's right. <laughs> All right, that's great. That's a good place to end this. I think right there was uh, short of one more thing that we have to do, and that is you need to give your shameless self promotion. Tell us about anything uh, where people can get hold of you, any books, how they can, how they can get hold of your book, if you've written any others. Uh, now's your your, uh, now's your moment. Now is my moment. Well, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, they can go to my website, which is just 
www.chrissopa.com. Um, you can sign up for my mailing list. I send out all of my announcements for when I'm doing workshops. I do a lot of webinar type things um, because I have a lot of followers around the country. I also have a blog that I write two days a week. And right on my website, you'll see the blog. And you could sign up and have my blog emailed to you. And it's all on topics like we just talked about today. And uh, my book, you can get my book right off my website. You can go to my publisher, which is Balboa Press. Um, they're a division of Hay House. You are welcome to get the book there. It's also available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all that great stuff. I do have another book coming out on the 28th of this month. Um, it is a book that I authored a chapter in among with a lot of other international women leaders, and it's called Breaking Free, Overcoming Self-Sabotage. And I wrote a chapter on, believe it or not, relationships, um, and the title of the chapter is Your Relation Relationships Are Only As Good As You Are. And it's all about some of the things we talked about, and that comes out on the 28th. Um, you'll you'll be able to get that on my website and Amazon and all of that as well. And then I have my second book probably coming out in the next year, um, and I'll kind of keep that hush-hush is what the topic is yet because I'm still kind of working on an outline. So that is how you can get a hold of me. You know, I do a lot of personal and executive coaching. I love to work with corporations and um you know, just help them with their employees and, and how they can perform better and work within their strengths. And it's just it's what I love to do. So I'm just very blessed. And I thank you so much for having me on the show. This has been fantastic. Well, I've enjoyed it also, believe me. Uh, you, um, so I'm, I'm going to assume that you do work in person. You travel, obviously, for your speaking and so on, but you also probably do some, uh, uh, some online and uh, uh, telephone work with folks as well. Absolutely, yeah. The keynotes, obviously, I do those a lot, and those are global. Um, I would say 95% of my coaching clients I do over the phone, and usually we'll, we'll use something like Skype for that. Um, I do a lot of webinars for corporations, but sometimes they actually fly me out, and they want me in person all day. So technology is a beautiful thing sometimes. <laughs> as we learned. As we learned and it works in our show. favor. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Oh, Chris, I tell you, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you stick, stuck with me on that one because this thing was falling <laughs> apart on this end as we got going. But it uh, all's well that ends well, I guess, huh? That is right. That is right. Well, thanks again for being my guest today, Chris. I certainly do appreciate your taking the time to do it. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Take care now. All right. Bye-bye. And you've been listening to a conversation with Miss Chris Sopa, Christine Sopa, author of Choose the life you were born to live, how changing your thoughts will change your life. And uh, you can get a hold of all of her information and all of uh, the contacts for Chris and everything that she does at chrissopa.com, and uh, we encourage you to do so. And we also want to thank you for listening to our program today. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow with more good guests. Also tomorrow at 9 o'clock in the morning Arizona time is straight down the middle of the golf show, and we'll be having some interesting conversation about golf on that show as well. We hope you can join us for that show, especially if you're a golfer. Take care, everybody. Have a great rest of the day, and we'll talk to you soon, hopefully tomorrow. Thanks again. Take care. interesting conversation to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. 
As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.